I was actually going to start this episode of the podcast with a little written intro I'd written a, a night or so ago. Um, since I'm staying at my friend's house in Denver. And then I wake up, check my phone, and find out that one of the most beloved and iconic interviewers in the world of professional wrestling had passed away at the age of 76. Mean Gene Okerlund, to me, set the standard for all that is interviewing in professional wrestling. I remember seeing me and Gene for the first time. I was eight when I started watching professional wrestling and he was over in WCW and he was doing interviews with Hogan, you know, while garbage was being rained down on the majority of the NWO when then they became Wolfpack in Hollywood, you know, I remember interviews when he, what he did with uh, Scott Steiner and Buff Bagwell when uh, Scott and Rick were kind of in a, in a bit of a feud. It's just those iconic moments that he had in WCW that made me not only love WCW at the time, but, f- you know, enjoyed any time Mean Gene was conducting an interview because you knew he was going to be straightforward coming out with, with the hit you with the, the, the questions. And he was and he was really good at what he did. I mean, and I I've, I found out later that he did work in WWE, and you know he did interviews, of course, you know, with Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan and you know Andre the Giant and all that stuff. So to have someone so iconic as Mean Gene Okerlund passing away does it does hit the industry hard. I know a lot of people were big fans of Mean Gene. And I want to, hopefully this actually goes through in the recording. Um, This was the first article I had seen, and I saved it because I wanted to talk about it here in the intro. Mean Gene Okerlund, an iconic voice of pro wrestling, dies at 76. This is by Tim Vioravanti of ESPN.com. Mean Gene Okerlund, the iconic WWE backstage interviewer who played a role in some of the biggest moments in professional wrestling history, died Wednesday, as family announced. He was 76. Okerlund's son, Tor Okerlund, told the Associated Press that his father died early Wednesday at a hospital in Sarasota, Florida, near his home in Osprey, Florida, with his wife, Jean, by his side. Tor Okerlund said his father, who had received three kidney transplants, fell a few weeks ago, and it just kind of went from bad to worse. Okerlund stood next to Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Racho Man- Randy Macho Man Savage, I'm sorry, Andre the Giant, the Ultimate Warrior, and many others from the mid to late 1980s and teed up the stars of that era to deliver some of their most memorable promos. In the mid-1990s, Oakland moved to rival WCW and stood in the ring as garbage rained down upon Hogan as he formed the NWO. Now, this is a quote from Triple H. A voice and soundtrack to an entire era of our industry. He was the star of some of WWE's most memorable segments. WWE Executive Vice President Paul Triple H Levesque said on Twitter... On Wednesday, he continued on saying, Mean Gene was beloved by all who got to work with him. Our thoughts are with his family in this difficult time, end quote. Wrestling stars, including Hogan, remembered Oakland with posts on social media. Oakland returned to the WWE fold upon the closing of WCW in a variety of roles and appearances. 
and was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2006 by Hulk Hogan himself. His last WWE appearance came on January 22nd, 2018, when he appeared on the 25th anniversary of Monday Night Raw and interviewed then-WWE champion AJ Styles. He started as an interviewer in the Minneapolis-based American Wrestling Association before moving to WWE in 1984, where his duties included hosting All-American Wrestling and Tuesday Night Titans, as well as serving as the lead locker room interviewer. Jesse Ventura, who wrestled as the body before he was elected governor of Minnesota, dubbed Okerlund with his Mean Gene nickname. Ventura told the Minneapolis Star Tribune on Wednesday that in an interview, he laughingly called him the Mean Gene Hot Air Machine and the Mean Gene Stuck. Ventura called Okerlund the best at what he did, the best straight man interviewer in wrestling history. In a 2015 interview with the Star Tribune, Oakland credited the late pro wrestling pioneer Vern Gagne for his start. Oakland worked in sales at the television station where Gagne's AWA was based and had experience in radio. Gagne approached Oakland in the hallway when the regular interviewer could not make a taping in the early 1970s. Oakland recalled, I said, and I quote, Vern, I know zero about wrestling. He said, do you need a suit and tie? That's all you have a suit and tie. That's all you need. There were a few bucks involved, so I dived in. And that was the article from Tim Vioravanti. It really, really is a sad day for us. I mean, there's a, there have been a lot of people passing away as of late, but, I, but when the bigger names pass on, it's a really big deal because that's in Mean Gene Oakland is a name every wrestling fan should know about. I think if you're ever going to do backstage interviewing, I would say he's an inspiration to you, all of those. Even if you don't want to work in, you know, the professional wrestling industry, that's someone I would look to, you know, to be inspired. Because when he did interviews with the biggest names in, in our in the sport, he did it with the bigger names, the Hogans, Under the Giants, like I said, Savages, the Flares, all that. And he will certainly will be missed. Forever. Mean Gene Okerlund. Rest in peace, man. Your career was the stuff of legend. And there'll be another one like you. Ever. My condolences go out to his family. My prayers and thoughts. It's it's crazy. It's a crazy day. But But we must continue on. Because we have a lot to talk about. In terms of Wrestle Kingdom, today is Wrestle Kingdom Predictions Day, and I've been super excited to actually get to talk about this. And now we're less than 48 hours away from what is looked at as one of the biggest events in professional wrestling all year. I am really excited about this. The entire card as a whole looks fantastic. Up and down. There are storylines everywhere on this card. Huge. I mean, the, I think the biggest one, in, my, in all my honesty, I think the Okada storyline has been the most, has been the biggest story, one of the biggest storylines of the year. He lost to Omega and lost the championship. He then had to re like, like find himself again, find that Okada. That everyone knew and loved, the one that was winning championships. But he, he, he I guess he would consider it like a, I would consider it like a midlife crisis, in a sense. You know, 
when you're out there buying the you know the Corvette or the you know a nice luxury car. But he had to redefine himself. He dyed his hair red again. He came out with balloons instead of dollar bills. He really defined himself. And I think, and of course, it came to a head right after the G1 Climax when Gato, his former cornerman, turned on him, aligned himself with Jay White, and then a little later on, about a month or so later, aligning themselves with the OGBCs, the uh, old school Bullet Club. And now we're heading into Wrestle Kingdom 13 with this huge high-profile match, not only for Okada, but for Jay White as well. He's had, a, he's had a pretty decent year as well. So, that's probably the biggest storyline, I think, going into Wrestle Kingdom. The one right behind it would be the IWGP Heavyweight Championship between Omega and Tanahashi. It's crazy to me how many people's eyes are actually on this match. Not just for the simple fact that Omega Tanahashi is going to be absolutely kick-ass, and it's going to be one of those matches a lot of people are going to be talking about, especially when it comes to match of the year candidates early for 2019. It's all on Kenny Omega for this. This is, I, I mean, yeah, Tanahashi is there, and he, he's putting up his uh, battle contract on the line and a chance to become the IWGP heavyweight champion. But the entire match has been really, if you think about it, surrounding around Kenny Omega. Think about it. Let's say... Kenny wins. Okay, he's not going to go to WWE. He made a decision. He wants to stay in the Indies. That's going to be some. That's going to be the starting speculation from that. If he loses, that's when a lot of speculation is going to start. A lot of rumors are going to be starting coming through, and you have to expect either way, because then if let's say if he did lose. A lot of speculation would be on him thinking, okay, he's definitely going to WWE because they took the title off of him. Or he could just be going to AEW and calling it a fucking day. Who knows? But that's there's a lot. I mean, the match itself has been absolutely spectacular. I know it's going to be absolutely spectacular, but the build to this has been pretty fucking spectacular as well. I really do enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy this match the most. Then you have, of course, Chris Jericho defending the IWGP Intercontinental Championship against Tetsuya Naito in a rivalry that's been spanning out through most of the year. Of course, Jericho attacking Naito, then taking the Intercontinental Championship and just holding on to it while Naito had to bust his ass, you know, to get back in the hunt. And his, his 2018 has been fucking solid, too. We have two, I mean, before I even get to the tag matches, I mean, Chris Jericho, the fact that you have Chris Jericho on a Wrestle Kingdom 13 card again is awesome. I know he had his match with Omega, that no disqualification match for the U.S. title, and that was fucking fantastic. That was amazing. So I'm only going to imagine what he's going to do with Naito on Friday. We have the two three-way tag team matches for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight and Heavyweight Tag Team Championships. And they both have actually been built up. We actually got uh, a a reason to actually, you know, get invested in in two three-way tag team matches. Not just one, but two. That actually makes sense. Uh, And I think, and 
when you really think about it, there's the other championship matches, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, um, Kushida versus Taiji Ishimori. That's going to be fucking awesome. I think they're going to really have a good match. Cody defends the US, is defending the United States Heavyweight Championship against Juice Robinson in a, in a redemption story for Robinson. You have the, you know, never open with championship and what everybody is saying is going to be a freaking dream match between Ibushi and uh, Will Ospreay. There's no way up at, you look, you look up and down this card and you're expecting many match of the night candidates, many match of the year candidates coming out of this. I mean, you, I'm going to tell you, can I'm real quick? Three, four. Yeah. You're getting 10 matches on this card. That's probably not going to count the pre uh, pre-show match. They're going to probably have beforehand. It's going to be, I think, Wrestle Kingdom 13. Not only is going to set the bar for every pay-per-view that follows after it, but it's going to set the, the standard for what Matt, what wrestling in 2019 should be. I mean, my top match of 2018 was from New Japan for a reason. There's going to be, there's no way... You can tell me, when you're looking up and down this car, that there's not one match you're not invested in. Tell me. Just being straight with you, this is the card that everybody's going to be looking at. And this is the card that everybody's going to be wilding out on Twitter about. And this is the card that a lot of people are going to be comparing to when it comes to NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool, NXT UK Take NXT TakeOver Phoenix, and the Royal Rumble for this month. And that's just from all that. That's just from New Japan, WWE, and NXT. So we'll see what happens come this Friday. I'm excited about this. And if you're not excited about this, you need to get the fuck excited. You need to get hyped the fuck up. Because Friday, the world is going to take notice. This is episode 39 of the Young Lions Perspective, and with that being said, let's make some picks. What's going on, guys? Happy New Year. It's Zach from the Wrestling With Issues podcast, and welcome to episode 39 of Young Lions Perspective. Like I said before, I hope you guys had a great new year. Hope you celebrated it right. You had a few drinks. Hope you didn't do anything, you know, that could get you in some trouble with the, the law or just possibly getting a girl pregnant. Who knows? But uh, what I do know is that today is prediction day. We are talking about Wrestle Kingdom 13 going down this Friday morning. And I, and I have to say, they have... The build to this event has been second to none. A lot better, I think, a lot better than last year's. And the fact that we're 48, less than 48 hours away from possibly the greatest spectacle all year from professional wrestling because WWE ain't doing it for us. They definitely ain't doing it for us. Fuck them. But I don't know where I want to start. I never know where I want to start because everything on this card just is just fantastic i mean for those who have never watched wrestle kingdom before i would say wrestle kingdom 13 is a great starting point for you because it marks the end of last year's storylines and over the next week days and weeks begins the new storylines for 2019 
that's what I kind of love about New Japan so much, is that they kind of have that, I guess, WCW type schedule, where they start their, they start their storylines in January, and got it all the way around the whole year, and then usually theirs would end in Starcade in December, but theirs actually ends at the next Wrestle Kingdom. So you already, you set up your entire year storylines in, in pretty much the first month of the year, and then you just add on to it. And then everything makes like is full conclusion at the next Wrestle Kingdom. I like the way they do that. It helps build the storylines a lot too, and it gives time to develop. It is awesome the way they do it, and it and it works because now you have this ten match card, and let's just get right into it. So I don't know how they're gonna have the match card. I never do. I just go on Wikipedia real quick, just write down the matches they have. And then I just make a check mark next to my picks. So what they have first is a gauntlet match. It's a number one contenders match for the never open weight six man tag team championships. That's going to be between the most violent players, Togi Makabe and Toru Yano and uh, Ryusuke Taguchi, uh, the leader of Taguchi Japan against Yuji Nagata, Jeff Cobb and David Finley. And then you have against Hiroki Goto, Beretta and Chucky T, the members of chaos Suzuki Goon, and that's going to consist of the members of Minoru Suzuki, Lance Archer, and Davey Boy Smith. And then the Elite. Elite. The the Elite. Consisting of Hangman Page, Yujiro Takahashi, and Marty Skrull. Now, when it comes to... When it comes to, you know, six-man tag titles, it's really hard for me to predict, like, what feuds they go to, because so many different sets of tag teams can win the never-open-weight six-man tag team championships at any given time. <coughs> Excuse me. But just know the winners of this number-one contender's gauntlet gets the right to face the G.O.D., the Grills of Destiny, and Taiji Ishimori for those titles. And that more than likely could happen at New Year's Dash. So be very... keep close mind when you're if you're doing predictions think about what that what the next event is going to be that's going to be new year's dash i think it's like at the end of the month if i'm not mistaken before they start uh, the new beginning tour in um in february that's going to be their first big pay-per-view but i'm going to go with suzuki going on this one i think suzuki archer and smith against the you know god and Taiji Shimori, I think that's going to make for solid matches. I think that will actually make a lot for singles matches, too. Uh, who would not want to see a Minoru Suzuki Tamatanga match? I would love to see that. I would love to see the Killer Elite Squad go up against G.O.D. I love that feud they had a couple years ago with, involving uh, K.E.S. <coughs> when K.E.S. was hot. I think they, the K.E.S. versus G.O.D. match would sound pretty good. I think the, uh, you know, all parties involved, including Ishimori, I think that would be, make for a solid six-man tag match for the tag titles. So I'm going with Suzuki-Goon to take the, to become the number one contenders and face G.O.D. and Ishimori next for the Never Openweight Six-Man Tag Team Championships. The Never Openweight Championship. Kota Ibushi and Will Ospreay. I just want you to take a moment to just in, just savor this moment. I thought you wanted to see Ibushi Omega was awesome. Ibushi versus Osprey 
one-on-one with, with the never open weight title on the line. It's a very fantastic moment. And the way we got here to this never open weight championship match is pretty was pretty fucking sweet. So try to follow along with me because I'm gonna try to go visit, get this off memory. So Hiroki Goto had the championship. This is right out of the G1 climax. Coming out of that, pass through, I believe it was King of Pro Wrestling, gets through that unscathed. Goto then faces Tai Chi, who had been a thorn in his side for the longest time. Um, was involved in a triple threat match that he had with Michael, him and Michael Elgin for the Never Openweight title. Elgin beat Tai Chi and Goto. Goto got it back from Elgin. Tai Chi was still in the picture due to the fact that he never got pinned. Tai Chi, I believe it was a power struggle, beats Goto for the title. During Tai Chi's reign, there was a six-man tag with, I believe, Ishii, Osprey, and... Ishii, Osprey, and Goto. And, and Tai Chi, I believe it was uh, Takamichi Noku, and I'm trying to think of the third... I think it was El Desperado. I'm not exactly sure which was the third member. Or it was Zach Sabre Jr. And then Osprey pins Tai Chi in that six-man tag, not only gaining some... Momentum for chaos in the midst of the whole Gato turning on Okada deal. But then Osprey immediately challenged Tai Chi for the championship. In New Japan, you can just go up to, if you beat a certain champion during the G1 Climax or something like that, you can challenge them for that particular title at the next event. I like that. Osprey immediately challenged Tai Chi for the championship. That same, right after he pinned them. Osprey then got hurt. I believe it was a rib injury. Um, for he was he was out for a few months. It was out for a couple months with a rib injury. So, in lieu, in spite of that, in in lieu of that happening, Goto challenges Tai Chi for the Never Openweight Championship, and he regains the title away from Tai Chi. That gets Tai Chi out of the picture now. The whole deal with Goto and Ibushi is that Goto had to use reverse. Like Ibushi wanted to face Goto for the Never Openweight Title, Goto refused. In order to get the match with Ibushi, he had to play a little mind tricks on him, a little bit of psychology, thinking like, yeah, no, I won't do it. No, you keep, you know, and you keep refusing my stuff, you know, all this stuff, I, maybe I shouldn't fight you for it. Ibushi then wants it, he wants the challenge. And then the match was set. That match was fucking awesome, by the way, at World Tag League Final. That was amazing, that was an amazing match between those two. In the end, Ibushi beat Goto to become the new never open weight champion at the same time same card i believe tai chi and will osprey went at it one-on-one and i believe it was will osprey's first match back ever since he had the injury so they need they figured you know with those two they needed a number one contender for that ever open weight championship osprey despite still coming back i'd say at 80 at the time beats tai chi and gets the shot with ibushi that's how we got to here it took a little longer than I wanted to, but that's where we are now. I really, really would want to see Osprey win. First and foremost, before I even make a prediction, I'm going to say this is probably going to be one of those matches of the night candidates between these two. These two are going to go absolutely off. And I know Will Osprey is more than likely going to be at 100% going into Wrestle Kingdom 13. I know right after the um, Road to the Tokyo Dome uh, weekend that they had, 
which the, which that was a fucking awesome gift moment. If you haven't seen it on Twitter yet, you need to. Of I think yeah. Ibushi doing a springboard hurricane run on Osprey, and Will Osprey just flips out of it, and then you just see them at moment where they both turn each other's head at each other. That's an iconic moment, and I think we're gonna have one of those in that match as well. It's gonna be a crazy match. But I see Kota Ibushi retaining the championship. He just won it. I think. I don't. I mean, at any moment a title can change. Shit, you could have a month and a half title reign, as Tai Chi did when before he lost it back to Goto for the Never Openweight Championship, and but right now, I see Ibushi retaining in what is going to be a amazing high-profile match, and for the for the Openweight Championship, they're I think they're going to set the bar if this match goes on like in like the first three or four matches of the card. That's going to be the match that's going to set the tone. Then we get into the first of the two three-way tag team matches for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship. The current reigning defending champion, Suzuki Goon, consisting of El Desperado and Yoshinobu Kanemaru, taking on Sho and Yo of Rapagi 3K and Bushi and Shingo Takagi of Los Ingobernables de Japón. We're getting new champions, first and foremost, before I even go with my prediction. It will not be Suzuki Goon retaining these championships. I do I love I've loved this little feud that they had since I would say late October. It's starting to get it's it built up a little bit, but it really got to its uh its head at, 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 at its head when the three of them had to face each other. For the Super Junior League, uh, Super Junior Tag League Championship, and that was a damn good three-way tag match between all parties involved. In the end, Show and Yo got that. They won. They beat. They won the three-way tag match. They won the Super Tag League Championship. I think the X factor in this match is going to be Shingo, big time. I think he's going to make, and this is his first Wrestle Kingdom as well. But I think the MVP of this match is going to be Shingo Takagi. And I think just off of that alone, I'm going with Los Ingobernables de Japón to win and become the new IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship. Champions, I should say. Now, I'm saying that because I'm having a little bit of a theme going to be going on with my picks. If you catch it, you'll understand where I'm going to go with it. But we'll get there when we get there. Rev Pro, undisputed British heavyweight championship. Tomohiro Ishii putting the title on the line against Zack Sabre Jr. This is going to be an awesome, awesome, awesome match. Ishii fans will know, Ishii fans like myself, Love hard-hitting action. Just beating the shit out of each other. Strong style. I think that's, that's how it is. And him, his beef with Suzuki for a majority of the year has been very, very out there. You've seen it. If you've seen any of their matches, whether it have been in a Rev Pro or a New Japan or a Ring of Honor, anything involving those two, you know the two are going to go to war. Zack Sabre Jr. is not any different. 
you're looking at European uppercuts, submission machine, and Zack Sabre Jr. So, but he can go through, you know, throw for throw with the best of them. This is going to be a a very underrated match, I think, because it's in a different uh, promotion. So unless you're a big, unless you're a huge Rev Pro, you know, Mark, you know, it may not mean much to you, but Ishii Sabre Jr. does should mean something to you. Um, after his def- after he defeated Suzuki, Sabre Jr. right at, immediately right after said, "I want my shot at title." Basically, trying to take the title, bring the title back to Suzuki Goon. In the end, though. I'm going to go with Ishii retaining. I think he wants to, I think finishing off the right way would the proper way would have Ishii be not having beaten Suzuki and then beaten Sabre Jr. For the title. I don't know how Rev Pro's going to book it, but if I were booking it, I think I say Ishii finally rids himself of Suzuki Goon, if only for a moment. And he retains the championship. It should be fun though. That's probably one of gonna be one of the four more fun matches. Um, we'll see how it goes, but I think these two are gonna go absolutely ballistic. But I say Ishii retains, defeating Sabre Jr. and ridding himself of Suzuki Goon, if only for a moment. We then get into the other three-way tag team match for the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championship, and this this is probably gonna be. An amazing heavyweight tag team championship match between the Gorillas of Destiny, Tama Tonga, and Tangaloa, defending the tag team titles against Los Ingobernables de Japón, Sanada, and Evil, the winners of the World Tag League, defeating the champions in order to get the World Tag League championship. And then we have the wild card of the Young Bucks. Who pretty much stated they never got a rematch for the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championships. So they should be next in line. Well, management figured, let's throw all three of them in a match and let's make it do what it do. Oh, man. it This probably was the, one of the easiest picks to make. Especially given the fact that the Young Bucks more than likely are going to be worrying more so about uh, all elite wrestling. Um... Which I can't wait for. It's gonna be oh, it's a, it's a really big moment for the Bucks and, and uh, Cody Rhodes having AEW be official, and then Boone likely having their first big event be double or nothing since they've already trademarked everything. But that's the reason why the Young Bucks aren't winning those championships. They're gonna probably be worrying more so about AEW and getting that up and running. But they are gonna put on a performance of that that only can only can do. They're gonna definitely do some work and do some damage in that match. I'm going with Sanada and Evil here though. To become the new IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championships, I think it. I mean, over the last couple of years, what I noticed: if you win the World Tag League, usually you win the Heavyweight Tag Titles at Wrestle Kingdom. That's usually from what I've seen the past couple of years. Um, so, I mean, you could have God retain. You could, but I think they're gonna. I think with the way I'm predicting it, there's gonna be a little bit of a of a thing here in terms of factions wise. Like I said, once we get to later on, it, you'll, it'll all make sense. The IWGP United States heavyweight championship is a very interesting one to me. 
I love the story of Juice Robinson coming up from the ranks, having his matches, his series with matches with Goto, for the, trying to go for the never open weight championship, never winning that, any of those matches, never getting a shot to come even close. I mean, there were solid matches overall, but he, he could never win the big one. And then, I think I believe he was a strong style evolved. He, you know, he hurts his hand, breaks his hand in the process, and he's, you know, fighting through, you know, the G1 with it. But his moment winning the IWGP United States Heavyweight title was probably the biggest moment of his career at that point. Beating Jay White, winning the championship, finally overcoming everything and winning a major singles championship, there was nothing like it. Then Cody got involved and then beat Juice Robinson for the IWGP US title. That was before, I believe that was before he got the NWA championship. No, it was actually after he won the NWA title. Right after the, it was after the G1. So now Juice Robinson gets his rematch. Can, can, do I think Juice Robinson can win this match and win back the IWGP United States Championship? Yeah, damn right I do. Because I'm going with Juice Robinson to win that belt back. I think, like I said, the Young Bucks aren't going to be winning those heavyweight tag team championships. They'll put on a solid performance. Cody's in the same boat. Cody and the Young Bucks are going to be working and doing that AEW shit, getting those ironed out and taking care of everything with that. I think storyline-wise, it makes the most sense to give the title back to Juice Robinson. Storyline-wise, finally, redemption. He, he lost the title. You know, he barely held the championship for a couple months. Having that taste of championship gold, everything that he, he had fought and clawed and did everything he could to even get a shot at the championship and couldn't get the job done and finally wins the big one only to lose it months later. He put on a, And he put on a solid performance during the G1 Climax. The story ends with Juice Robinson winning this title back. And that crowd in Tokyo is going to be absolutely apeshit for that moment. It's a moment that Juice Robinson deserves. And this can make his career soar into 2019. And I can't wait to see that moment. It's going to be really awesome to see Juice Robinson with that title back around his waist. We then get into the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Kushida, the ace of the division, a man who has pretty much fought the elite of, for no pun intended, of the Junior Heavyweight division. He's faced the Ospreys. He's faced, you know, the Alex Shelleys. Wow, that was a name that actually came out there. He's faced, you know, Marty, the Marty Skrulls. You know, he's faced Taiji Ishimori before. Marty Skrull, I'm gonna just gonna go try to go through the top part of the junior heavyweight division. That's the only stuff I can think of right now. But you get it. Kushida's the guy. You know, you have Tanahashi being the ace, so-called, and then you have Kushida who's the ace of the division. And then Taiji Ishimori came around one day and started fucking with his shit. <laughs> this is probably the easy, one of the easier choices for me. I'm going with Ishimori to take the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. I think it's time for some new blood in the division. I think 
the way they've done it storyline-wise and had, you know, just Ishimori get the best of Kushida, I think that will translate over into that match. And I'm saying Kushida's going to make one big mistake. I think he's going to make one mistake, try to go for the hoverboard lock, something like that, and Ishimori can like, figures out the counter. Ishimori then beats Kushida, and then we move on. I'm sure the hover rematch, maybe a New Year's Dash, who knows? But I think Ishimori beating Kushida would be a big moment for Ishimori. Adds another title to the OGBCs, more power, or in their case, more money. I just think right now it's time for Kushida to step aside. And it's a new blood into the division. I think Ishimori as a junior heavyweight champion would be fantastic. Uh, just seeing him, I just think I'm trying to think of all the matches you could have, you know, in that uh, junior heavyweight division. So I'm hyped for that. I'm going to say Ishimori beats Kushida. It'll be a good match. <coughs> Excuse me. But Ishimori gets the victory. Now we're getting into the nitty gritty. The, the last three matches, who, I'm, who I think are going to be the last three matches of the night. Kazuchika Okada versus Jay White. What's not to say about this match? I talked about it earlier in the opening segment about Okada. You know, losing the IWGP heavyweight title back in Dominion against Omega in, in, in my 20, 2018 match of the year and that two out of three falls match for the IWGP title. Him losing it, him having to re, like, re, you know, reconfigure everything, coming out with balloons, changing his theme song, you know, red hair, the balloons instead of dollar bills. He still had a solid G1 only losing, only getting involved in a 30-minute draw with Tanahashi and not able to advance to the G1 Climax Final. And for the first time in seven years, he's not either fighting for the IWGP Heavyweight title or defending the IWGP Heavyweight title. First time in seven years. Him and Gato, you know, part ways. And then we run into Jay White. Jay White was a was became a member of Chaos, handpicked by o- Okada. Brings him into Chaos, but he knew he was watching him. If you follow the storyline of White all year, he technically had done the same thing to the Bullet Club, which started the whole feud with Kenny and Cody. At that point, though, he was offered a spot in Bullet Club by Kenny Omega himself, and he caught a Blade Runner for his troubles. That started the whole dissension of the elite at that moment. It, looking back on it now, it shouldn't have 
it shouldn't really have you know been like oh yeah yeah I should have known that Gato was gonna turn on him. But the way they went about it was solid. G Wet attacking Okada. Gato gets the chair out. Looked as if he was going to take out White. White makes the Blade Runner, you know, thumb across the throat. And Gato turns on Okada with a shitty chair shot, by the way. I'm not going to let that one, you know, just pass me by and just not get that out of my memory. That was a shitty chair shot. But Gato betrayed Okada. He aligns himself with Jay White, saying that he is the future of New Japan. They, in turn, along with Jado, Gato's tag team partner, join the OGBCs. Tamatanga, Tangaloa, Ishimori. And now they are a force. And over the last couple of months, White and Okada have been at each other's throats. And it all ends at Wrestle Kingdom 13. If you want to talk about a high-profile non-title match, you've got one. It was a really hard, probably one, like I said, one of the harder ones to predict. Because this, I mean, you can have Okada, you know, you can have White go over. And that would be a huge moment for White going into 2019. Saying, I beat Okada. I beat one of the big four. Or you can have Okada get his redemption and finally relieve, at least exercise his demons for a moment. You know, after the betrayal of Ghetto, after everything he went through losing the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, after all the attacks by White and the Bullet Club and OGBCs and all that, can he finally get his moment? If you're predicting this, if you're predicting this match alone, that's what you should be focusing on. Do you want White to go over Okada and start putting him up into the stratosphere, into the into those main event matches, or do you have Okada defeat White and get his revenge, if if there is any to it be had at this point? For my money, I'm taking Jay White. I think, and this is how I saw it when I really, when I was doing it yes, when I was doing writing down my predictions yesterday. Yes, Okada can get his revenge on Jay White and Gato and all that. But then if you have Okada defeat White, where does that leave White in the grand scheme of things in terms of main event? It's obvious that they're trying, that they're looking to have him in a big profile match. His first big one, in my honest opinion, was his match against Tanahashi last year at Wrestle Kingdom 12 for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. I wanted White to win then. Because I think new, you know, him being that young upstart coming out of nowhere, beating Tanahashi for the championship would have been a dope moment for him. I think it would have been one of the best moments of the year. But to be truthfully honest, I think it's White's time to start making up his way up the ladder. To start gunning for, you know, maybe a Naito for the Intercontinental Championship if he just if he does win it, you know, or Jericho or a, you know, you know, a Juice Robinson. Have that, you know, have that rematch if they wanted to revisit that. Start gunning for the higher titles in New Japan. And I think beating Okada, I think would actually give him 
that boost to move up. Okada's solid. Okada's top four. He's one of the four in the group in in the uh, in the company. I think White getting the victory over Okada is a bigger impact and a bigger headline than Okada beats White. You know, Okada beat White. Okada's revenge. You know, typical. I think White beating Okada. I I kind of want to see more of the whole Okada refining himself. What can he do after a loss of this magnitude? That's what that's that's what I'm kind of thinking. I'm going with Jay White beating Okada. I'm sure most of you with an earshot are probably thinking Okada's beating White. That's fine, but I think White beating Okada has adds a little bit more impact to the card than anything else that will be on this card. I promise you that. IWGP Intercontinental Championship. Chris Jericho. Can I just say real quick, I appreciate everything Chris Jericho has done in New Japan so far. Everything. From what he did with Omega, that shit was awesome. To his stuff now with Naito and involving himself against Evil, defending the IWGP Intercontinental title against him. Um... You know, and getting involved, becoming the Intercontinental Championship, destroying Naito on attacks, you know, being this more dark heel character has been very, has been really good for him. I think, you know, Chris Jericho is a heel, easy, second to none, he's got it down, hands down. In New Japan, they absolutely fucking hate him. And he does it so well. That's what I, I mean, at his age. He has not shown signs of slowing down whatsoever. He is not. Let that be known for sure. It has been awesome, awesome to just see what he has done in his short time with New Japan. You know, high-profile match with Omega, high-profile match with Naito, and now they get to do it again. So how does this work this time around? Remember the theme I told you about when I talked about the when I started talking about Los Ingobernables de Japón. I easily have Naito winning this match over Jericho. I think Naito beating Jericho makes sense. Jericho having the title any longer than he needs to. Just I don't know who you would put him up against at that point. But I think Naito winning that title gets redemption, erases all doubt between him and Jericho, and he gets the IC title back. But more importantly, every single member of LIJ is leaving that night with a title belt over their shoulder or around their waist. I think that's going to be one of the major storylines heading into 2019. LIJ, with everyone has a belt. And that's when you can get your rematches with Suzuki Goon, big title matches, big you know matches against you know, you know KES, God if they ever want if they want to do a rematch down the line, you know. And Sanada and Evil are solid, you know. Bushi and Shingo they're going to be solid if they win the I think if they win those tag titles, and then Naito heading the group, regaining back the IWGP Intercontinental Championship, now depending on what portion of Naito you're talking about, heel or face, 
he may treat the street the title as if it was just an accessory, or he's gonna be holding it, that belt proudly, knowing he beat Jericho to do it. I think it's gonna be a very great back and forth battle. I think there's gonna be crazy moments in this match that I'm not gonna expect. But in the end, all of LIJ will have a belt. Shingo and Bushi with the junior title, two junior tag titles, Sanada and Evil with the heavyweight tag titles, and Naito with the IC belt back where it belongs. I guess you could say around Naito's waist. Main event. What I'm probably going to be saying is one of the most anticipated matches of 2019. I know Volter is going to be facing uh, Pac. Osprey is going to be facing Pac. And those are very highly anticipated matches. Champa Alistair Black 2 is a highly anticipated matchup. Whoever Pete Dunne is going to face for the NXT, for the WWE UK Championship at NXT TakeOver Blackpool is going to be a highly anticipated match. But there's going to be, there are none bigger in 2019 than Kenny Omega defending the IWGP Heavyweight Championship against Hiroshi Tanahashi. I don't need to hype this up any more than I have to because there's no need. They've been hyping this match up since the end of the G1 Climax in August. Keep in mind, Omega was in Ibushi's corner for the final against Tanahashi. Like I said in the beginning of the opening segment, this is the, the only reason the spotlight's on Omega. Sure, Tanahashi gets is, is going to get a lot of hype and a lot of love and a lot of support. But everything is going to be circling around Kenny Omega. On one hand, you have Omega winning and then him, which basically says Kenny Omega is not going to WWE. And if you want my honest opinion on Omega going to WWE, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't. Because when you look at what WWE has been doing all year, shitting the bed, why wouldn't I want to be part of that? Sure, yeah. I could have matches with AJ Styles, Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, possibly a Drew McIntyre. Yeah, I get the high-profile matches off the gate. You know, Daniel Bryan, Samoa Joe, you know, Roman Reigns, when and if, if and when he does come back. But I wouldn't want to be around that brand knowing they're on the, their lowest of, they're, they're literally hitting rock bottom every single week. And you know he would be put on Raw just to get instant ratings. Kenny Omega's on Raw? Yeah, that's going to get 2.7 easy, possibly 3 million. Who knows? But if I were Kenny Omega, even if I lost the championship, I still would not go to WWE. Not right now. Not when I'm, my, I'm at my highest point. I mean, yeah, if you want to get the money, go get the money. 
But I think I value freedom over anything. I don't think Kenny would be given as much creative control as we would like him to get. I think him staying in the Indies really makes more sense. I know Tanahashi and Omega have been going at it in the storyline for months. They've been going back and forth with promos, have faced each other in tag matches throughout the months since G1 Climax had ended. Tanahashi does look poised to take the title. I believe it would be his seventh title reign. You know, he he won the G1 Climax. He beat he literally beat Okada and Jay White in order to retain his battle rights contract. That in and of itself is kick-ass to beat you two of the top guys right now. In the end for me, though, I have Kenny Omega winning this. I think Kenny deserves a long run. With the belt, I know Tanahashi. I know putting the belt back on Tanahashi, it would work. But honestly, I think if New Japan is trying to find their future, I think Omega right now with the belt screams volumes. Sure, you can have Tanahashi being your Tokyo Sports MVP of 2018 all you want. But I think for my money, for what I would want to book and for how I would want to book it at that particular moment for New Japan, you would I would want Omega to retain. High-profile opportunity, defending the IWGP Heavyweight Championship in his first Wrestle Kingdom, 13, Wrestle Kingdom main event, I'm assuming. Why would you want to have him lose on the biggest stage, in the biggest moment? I think for my money, I would want to see Omega beat Tanahashi and retain the championship. And then move on to his next big feud in 2019. I I can't see it go end any other way. That's not because I don't want to. It's because I feel the most logical booking decision they can make is Omega retaining the title. A big win over Tanahashi. Always good for the resume. Biggest stage of them all for New Japan, Wrestle Kingdom. That's an accolade. That's a big, big accolade to have on your resume. And I think having that does help the cause. So, I'm going to go with Omega to beat Tanahashi. He stays out of the WWE's radar for now. I think he either re-signs with New Japan just to keep them on the schedule. And we'll go from there. But Omega beating Tanahashi has to happen. That's, and that's my rundown. That is my, you know, predictions for Wrestle Kingdom 13. I think this is going to be, this is going to set the tone for 2019. It's set the, I believe this card's, you know, the match card set the tone for 2018. I think it really set the tone for everything else because right after that we got TakeOver Philadelphia. And that was fire with all Miss and uh, Gargano for the NXT Championship. That was insane. So I knew, I'm thinking maybe Wrestle Kingdom set that bar that all others must follow. And that's what has to happen. 
they are going to look at if you look at this match card and you're looking up and down at this thing, you're thinking like, I can easily see five or six matches of the matches of the night. I can easily see, like right now, I can easily see three matches of the year match of the year candidates coming out of this that we may be talking about in December next year for my top ten matches of 2019. I'm really I can't I've been waiting for this all. It's like waiting for Christmas all over again. It's just that we already had Christmas and we're going to get Christmas again in less than 48 hours. That's what Wrestle Kingdom is like to me. I hope you guys get a chance to watch it. If you don't, just borrow your friend's NGPW World account for like, you know, a couple of days. It, it's going to be long. It's going to be it's gonna be a long one. It's going to be at least four or five hours, I'm assuming, off this. But it's going to be well worth it. I won't be watching it live because that's going to be way too early for me. Uh, it's a travel day for me as well, so I'll probably be watching um, a good majority of it before I get on the plane, and then a good majority of it after I rest up and uh, get home. So, look out for that Wrestle Kingdom review coming on. I'm not sure, sure when I'm going to be doing it, but once you, I know, you know. But that's my preview and predictions for Wrestle Kingdom 13. Well, guys, that's going to be it for episode 39 of the Young Lions Perspective. As always, I want to thank you guys so, so much for taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, your evening, your gym time, whatever time you check out this podcast, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to check out the podcast. And as always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. Now, if you don't check me out on the Anchor app, but pretty much this is, you know, the mothership for all that is YLP and you should get the app. It's definitely the up-and-coming app for podcasting in the game right now. You can check out the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Stitcher Radio, and, of course, that good old Spotify fam. Search for the Young Lions Perspective on any one of those platforms, and you should have no problem finding it whatsoever. If you enjoyed this episode or any of the other 38 episodes of the podcast, do not hesitate to tell a friend to tell a friend about the podcast itself. Share it on your social media, your Facebook, your Instagram, your Twitter. Let the people know that the Young Lions Perspective is the alternative for professional wrestling podcasts and that we are here to stay. If you want to follow me on my social media platforms, do not hesitate to follow me on Twitter at Suede Senator WWI and on Instagram at Young underscore Lions underscore Perspective. Stay up to date. Follow me on those platforms and keep you updated with the podcast as a whole and any videos I may make. Um, I do live tweet SmackDown Live, NXT, NXT UK, all WWE uh, pay per view events, and any New Japan events that I can wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning for for no reason at all just to watch a 5 a.m. pay per view. Excuse me, if I'm able to, I'll watch it. If not, I'm waiting until later on to watch it. Guys, I know I'm on vacation right now, and surprisingly doing a podcast in the middle of my vacation wasn't the one of the things I'd be planning on, but it made the most sense to do it while I had a little bit of time to just chillax, chill with my friends, and enjoy my stuff. So I'm going to get back to that. We'll talk again soon. I'll let you guys, I'll fill you guys in when the time is right. Until then, guys, enjoy the rest of your Wednesday night. I know I will be. I'm just going to be relaxing for the rest of the day. Until next time, guys, when we meet again, see ya!